house music really is one of the major sounds, if not the sound, of the culture and the people of Chicago. My name is Kika Lomo, and you are listening to The Week by Telecom Electronic Beats. It's Thursday, April 27th, and this is your weekly update on music, culture, and what's next. This week, we return to one of the most pivotal places in the history of electronic music, The Warehouse. If you're not familiar, The Warehouse is the legendary Chicago nightclub where, in the late 70s and early 80s, DJ Frankie Knuckles created what later became known as house music. The Warehouse shut its doors roughly 40 years ago, but the building still exists. And if you've listened to our debut episode back in March, you might remember that we talked about a petition to save this very building from demolition. The thing is, the warehouse has recently been sold to new owners and people were afraid that these new owners may tear it down to build something new. Office spaces, luxury apartments, a hotel, you know the deal. But the petition turned out to be a huge success. More than 13,000 people from all around the globe signed it and the warehouse now has preliminary landmark protection. That's a big step towards preserving music history, way beyond Chicago. House music was created as a form of expression by marginalized people of color, like many other forms of what we call electronic music today. It might have become a billion dollar business controlled by predominantly white men, but it really started out as a safer space for people who otherwise weren't safe at all. So this petition is more than about preserving a local landmark. It's also a reminder of where this culture came from and why it's important to this day, not only in Chicago. So what can we learn from the warehouse? We called up Max Chavez from Preservation Chicago. Preservation Chicago is the NGO that initiated the petition and also the whole process of making the warehouse a permanent landmark. Hey Max, thanks for taking the time to speak with us today. And first of all, congratulations on the success of the petition. What's the importance of preserving such historical cultural sites? Historic preservation is important when it comes to cities, uh, really in two senses. It obviously protects buildings. It saves them for all time. And in doing so, you're able to continue telling stories about the people in these communities uh, that matter and that maybe have been uh, undertold or ignored for long periods of time. I totally feel you. With underground music, with the club scene especially, cities often don't have enough of an understanding of their cultural significance. What specifically is the significance of the warehouse for the community in Chicago and also for the history of dance music in general? It's really difficult to overstate the effect that the warehouse and Frankie Knuckles had on on dance music and and where it went from here. This was a sound that Frankie Knuckles created in this building by melding all of these different sounds, funk and disco and electronic and gospel. All of these sounds came together to create something entirely new. When it came out, there wasn't even a name for it. It had to take the name from the club itself, the warehouse. And as we know now, house music didn't just stay in Chicago. It became a huge international success. It it still influences pop music today. Look at something like Renaissance by Beyonce. That album is a love letter to house music. Uh, so without the warehouse, without house music, pop music, dance music, all of it would look so different than how it looks today. And just on a local level, uh, you know, house music really is one of the major sounds, if not the sound of the culture and the people of Chicago. So for now, the warehouse only has preliminary landmark status, but you are fighting for the status to become permanent. Are there any plans for this building once the permanent status is granted? Since the building was just sold to new owners a couple months ago, there really are no plans by the owners to sell the building. Uh, So as far as we're aware, the building is going to remain law offices uh, for the time being. However, 
if the building were to be sold again in the future, um, there have been a lot of uh, conversations from a lot of people and 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 folks who have signed the petition asking why not, um, why can't this building become a, a museum to house music, some sort of place to really understand the effect of, of house music on on the world's culture. It's an idea that we certainly at Preservation Chicago that we support. Um, however, it's not our decision to make. Um, and whatever decision were to be made about the building's future, if it were to be sold again, would certainly require the involvement of the Chicago community, of uh, the West Loop community, um, and the househead community, people whose lives have been uh, changed and affected um, and, and made better by the existence of house music. And is there any way that our listeners can support the initiative, even if they don't live in Chicago? There really are two big ways that people can help this effort to landmark the warehouse, especially now that it has entered the landmarks consideration status. The first would be to sign the change.org petition. We've had so many signatures uh, come through from from the wider international public, uh, and a lot of these people have left uh, comments about why house music matters and what it means to them. Uh, and in doing so, in, in signing and leaving these comments, we're really able to help convey that the warehouse has a significance not just to us as a historic preservation organization, uh, but to the larger community, and not just the community of Chicago, but people all over the world. This is a place with global impact and a global resonance. Um, the other part being that since it is now in the landmarks hearings process, uh, people can actually submit comments to the city of Chicago by going on to the uh, Commissioner of Chicago Landmarks website. Um, there is an email there, ccl at cityofchicago.org, and they can submit letters to the city of Chicago, essentially requesting uh, that the city landmark the building. Um, so, you know, they don't have to hear it just from us or from the petition. The public can reach out and make their voices uh, heard loud and clear. Thanks, Max. The fight for the preservation of the warehouse is not unique. There are many, many places all over the world that have cultural and historical significance. This example of the warehouse in Chicago just goes to show how community involvement and amplifying stories about the history of electronic music can have an impact on how club spaces are received, both socially and politically. And now let's hit the other headlines that mattered this week. Coachella Weekend 2. Gabe Satan, our guest on last week's episode, had a proper Nostradamus moment with his prediction that Fred again would eventually be headlining in one of the coming years. Because that came true. Fred again closed out the main stage together with Skrillex and Fortet, replacing Frank Ocean, who dropped out after his divisive performance on Weekend 1. In other Coachella Weekend 2 news, the very first headliner from way back in 1999, Beck, came out for a song with Gorillaz and many other artists joined Gorillaz on stage too. And that wasn't the only performance with unexpected guests on Weekend 2, as Sia and Zendaya made a surprise appearance with Labyrinth in the Sahara tent. And the festival actually saved some money. There were no curfew violations this weekend after they had to pay more than $100,000 in fines after Weekend 1. Vinyl gets an environmental upgrade. Did you know that vinyl records aren't so sustainable? In fact, they're made with polyvinyl chloride, or PVC. The production of PVC requires lots of oil and creates many harmful chemicals. However, a non-profit run by the Canadian DJ and producer Blondish thought of an alternative. They have created the world's first biodegradable vinyl. It uses natural bacteria to grow a plastic replacement and can decompose in any environment, including the ocean. It's only one small-scale experiment for now, but a promising one. And we like the idea of future Drexia reissues biodegrading at the bottom of the ocean too. 
Getting into expensive festivals for free? It's famously difficult to even get a chance to buy tickets to the UK's Glastonbury Festival. But what about getting in via more, shall we say, questionable ways that don't require a ticket at all? We're not encouraging you to storm the gates, but Vice has uncovered a WhatsApp group that shares tips and tricks for sneaking into Glastonbury for free. It's all about Ocean's Eleven, homemade tools, special ladders, co-conspirators on the inside. But the members of this WhatsApp group seem to enjoy the thrill of success once they find a way in. Have you ever snuck into a concert or festival? DM us your story on the Electronic Beats Instagram and if you dare, reveal the secret back entrance. Cassettes are back. It might be time to add a tape player to your home stereo setup. The British phonographic industry has reported that sales of cassettes in the UK have increased for the 10th consecutive year and that they are at their highest level since 2003. It's no match for streaming, of course, and tapes still trail vinyl. However, for 10 number one albums in the UK last year, 10% of sales came from cassettes. Even major mainstream acts like Coachella headliners Blackpink sold tapes instead of vinyl records. Maybe we should start putting out a cassette version of this podcast too. I am not done with you yet. As you might know, last week we were at Salone del Mobile in Milan, where we turned IKEA's exhibition space into a pop-up club. And we had major musical guests who have been shaping the scene for years, such as Metaraf. Metaraf is a Berlin-based DJ, dancer, producer, designer, just to name a few of their many professions. And they played the opening set for 9 Times 9 at Salone del Mobile on Wednesday. So we asked them what advice they would give to young performers playing an opening set for someone. That their role is this lot is not to explode, is not to shine and bright like a crazy comet, but it's about, you know, setting the mood, starting to create the atmosphere, starting to boil that energy within the people. But also thinking about from the other side, you know, as a raver, it's not that fun if the energy is always on the same level, and on the same, you know, intensity. The whole journey, it's about going you know, to a different state. So that's my advice. Thanks, Metaraf. You can find the link to their Instagram in the show notes, of course. Be sure to check them out and tell them that we sent you. That's all for the week this week. Thank you so much for looking in. My co-host Otto Kent will be back next Thursday. Take care and enjoy the rest of your week. The Week is a production by Telecom Electronic Beats and ACB Stories.